they have a shine to them. Like you can see they're shiny. Anyway, we came into this roundabout first few wheels, like first team thinking, great. Like all, all we got to do now is ride around this as slow as we want to. And launch it, yeah. And we still nearly crashed. Like two of us slipped our front wheels going around, I reckon, 15K an hour. We must have been going around this corner, like so slow. And um, yeah, that was pretty sketchy. Like my front wheel slipped there. But yeah, coming into the last day, it was it was scheduled to rain. Everybody knew it was probably going to rain. And it was a city circuit around Istanbul. So we're all like, oh, God, here we go. G'day legends and welcome back to the Press Room Podcast presented by Zwift. We're back for episode 12 and this week we're talking with Kel O'Brien of Bike Exchange and also the Australian Olympic team. We know this man is super, super talented and so versatile. You've seen him already at the start of the season, menacing in the leadouts in that second, third last man in the Bike Exchange sprint train with Grunewagen, Caden Groves, the monster. And also we've seen him in the, the Belgian races absolutely popping off and his huge ride his breakout ride which i think really demonstrates the type of rider he's going to be in future years to come was that ride at Dwarsdorf Vlaanderen where he finished seventh in a lead group two minutes ahead in the break all day and he finished seventh in a group with Vanderpol, Tijbanut, Tom Peacock, Campenart, Niels Pollitt, the Teeth, King Kong and the Clock Ben Turner so that just goes to show what type of quality that Kel has. And not only quality on the bike, but quality off the bike. He's an absolute legend, and it was really good to get to know him a bit more. Um, We really get a little bit insightful to what works for him and what has worked for him this year in terms of training, recovery, uh, recovery between races, and then just trying to put all the pieces together in his first year on the World Tour. But it's a really cool chat, so I hope you guys enjoy it. And, you know, a big shout-out, of course, to Zwift, our title sponsor. Big shout-out to everyone who came on the Press Room Pello group ride as well on Wednesday. Now, it was the Press Room Pello attacker ride uh, where attacker and their crew came on the ride as well and they actually gave away some attacker goodies. So sick. And just tune in, you know, just stay tuned because there's going to be some really cool things announced on the back end of this year with attacker. But I think it's time, legends. It's time to get on the ergo, on the commute, put the AirPods in, however you listen, because it's time for the Press Room Podcast, and I'll see you real soon. Oh, thanks for having me. Mm, yeah, mate. That's all right. Oh, good. I was actually just watching the... Um, uh, the GCN showing like a really cool package um, for the uh, the Champions League, you know, the track um, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's really yeah. good, eh? Like, I think they must be timing it. Um, it's kind of like Drive to Survive style. It's awesome. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, they um, they put a lot of effort into it for sure. Like, yeah. And um, from the outset, they were pretty like open and like said to us like how much they really want to push it um like discovery uh discovery sport uh i think is the name of the channel um that's sort of funding it and i think they signed the contract with uh with the uci until like 2029 or something like it's a massive yeah it's like a really long 
contract. So, mm. yeah, it's good. Are you, are you um, in for the second season? Um, no, probably probably not this year because um, okay. like I didn't I haven't been home in so long. So mm. I'm going to go back to Australia, and it's just so late in the year. You know, it's in December. So mm. um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, it sounds like there'll be heaps of seasons, and you can just tell, like, yeah, like you said, the production value of it is it's elite. Um, and yeah, for it's, sure. It's almost like the 2020 of cycling, eh? Like track cycling, they're just taking the best bits, and um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, exactly um, right. Kel, mate, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? Where, what are you? Where are you at the moment? <laughs> Tell everyone where you are. Um, where am I? I'm in Andorra at the moment and my, my home in Andorra. Um, I've been on the road for five weeks or yeah, just over five weeks now. So, uh, I've got a bit of time to just relax and be at home. I've just had sort of three or four days off the bike and starting to, starting to step into some training again now. Okay. And Five weeks on the road, so you haven't been home at all for five weeks. Not even like a couple of days stay here or there, or no. I I uh, went straight to Belgium after a mini training camp. Um, then I was in Belgium for three weeks. I went straight from Belgium to Tour of Turkey, and then straight from Tour of Turkey to Glasgow for the mm. Nations Cup on the track. Um, so yeah, it's been <laughs> it's been a bit of a long stint away from home, but. Um, yeah. I'm pretty glad to be home now. <laughs> yeah, man. What, what do you what do you find yourself missing the most, like towards the back end, like about being at home? Is there anything like just small things, or yeah, it's probably just small. Like I don't know. I think I, I had pretty good morale for the most part of the trip, so I wasn't really missing too much. And um, yeah, I guess it's just like little things, you know. Like you just miss mate, like cooking your own dinner sometimes, and just like I don't know, just you know sleeping in a room by yourself and just like you know being a bit more like i'm a I'm pretty introverted person so like i don't mind a bit of time to myself here and there yeah definitely yeah sometimes be just being on your own is like oh it's just a it's a sense isn't it yeah exactly i would always whenever i have long stretches away uh which isn't like five weeks or anything i always find myself just missing like the cereal i always eat <laughs> you know like exactly. it's, the, it's, it's those 100 <laughs> yeah just like the, the exact type of yogurt that i normally have in my breakfast and stuff like <laughs> just like things like that little it's a little things <laughs> yeah is uh you said you had three or four days off the bike um how often do you have stretches like that where you don't ride at all um well i mean this is my first proper road season mm. um so I mean, it's the first time this year that I've had like three or four days off, like a mini break. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean, not too often. I wouldn't think like uh, in the past, I've never really had like blocks off like that. Um, but at the moment, like with the amount of fatigue I had after the classics and then to Turkey, um, yeah, I don't think it, you know, it doesn't do any harm to just like have a mm. few days to, let it let the body soak it all in and like especially when you're constantly thinking about the next race mentally like you don't realize the build-up of sort of i don't know tension and stuff that you have um and stress around performing you know and then just to switch off for like 
three days, you know, one or two of those days is spent traveling anyway. Um, so then, you know, you get back home, spend a day mucking around doing a food shop and all that sort of stuff. And then you're back into it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. All that you probably, because you're on the road for so long too, I guess you, you wouldn't even realize that that stress is there after a few weeks. You just kind of, that's the norm, right? Exactly. Hmm. Exactly. And you just start getting like, especially with a tour as well, like Turkey was eight days. You sort of like, I don't know, you just get to this point of like sort of Groundhog Day, like everything just like is going round and round in circles and you don't even, you can't even really remember where you were yesterday kind of thing. Just a bit, you know, once you get that to that point of being tired, you're just sort of going through the motions. Yeah, yeah, that is your, <laughs> that's the homeostasis. <laughs> it must have yeah. been like, I can't believe that you went to the Nations Cup. I was just looking because I didn't really get to see much of the racing, but I remember seeing the start list and I was like, there's quite a few like decent road names on there, let alone the obviously the sort of more track focus um, specialists. But how was that stepping back onto the boards after just basically doing road for the first quarter of the season? Yeah, I mean, like I said, like the we knew the start list that this Nations Cup was going to be pretty stacked. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's it's a bit of a like learning, I guess, at the moment. We had a fair bit changed with Oz Cycling and the way things work there. Um, and obviously a massive change for me in the way I'm approaching the event now, like with more road and basically no track. And um, yeah, I mean, it was interesting, a lot of learning and it like the performance wasn't where I wanted it to be or where we wanted it to be. But um, yeah, I mean, we're in a massive rebuilding phase of, everything you know um since the olympics last year everything sort of changed and new coaching staff and just the way everything works um is quite different now so um it was interesting like physically i felt quite good on the track with having so much road base and volume there um but yeah just the the little things tactical and stuff like that like for sure i felt a bit awkward out there on the the velodrome Yeah, okay. That's that's interesting. I kind of forget that. Um, sorry. My chair's got three, well, it's got four legs, but one of the legs is um, uneven. So I've just got this thing here. It's just fallen off. It's cracking me, mate, every time I lean on it. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> I'm not going to cut that out. I'm just going to leave it in. They know already. Um, <laughs> get a new chair. It's from Kmart. Um, yeah, but obviously stepping back into the track, I, I mean, um it's interesting i forgot all about like it's a bit of a whole change of scene for the you know new um olympic cycle but i wondered what were some of the things that like how is sort of the preparation different with regards to the australian setup but what's what's changed that you can share um well i mean like for me personally i've done like i haven't sat on my track bike since the track champions league last year um so whereas normally for the for the, like a Nations Cup, I will have done, you know, a full team pursuit build and mm. been on the bike, been on the velodrome, you know, three, four, five times a week, every week for the last two months. Mm. Um, so that was different, like the sensation of, you know, not not having felt the bike and the velodrome. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, like normally for Oz Cycling, we would come into a World Cup like this 
with a full squad of men's and women's endurance, full squad of men's and women's team sprint. Um, and yeah, it was a bit, bit of a smaller group this time. Uh, mainly, I think mainly really it's, it's due to funding and, um, you know, it's really expensive to, to get to these nation's cups now. Mm. Um, you know, since, since everything's happened over the last few years, um, traveling with equipment and stuff like the yeah. airlines are just like absolutely reaming you for excess. And obviously we're taking, you know, between one and two tons worth of excess baggage, um, that, that bill racks up and, um, yeah, so just the overall vibe within the team is a bit different, a bit of a smaller group, which is not so bad. Um, but yeah, and I guess obviously not having the focus on the team pursuit, like I was just coming in to do one race. Yeah, um, yeah. It's a bit of a strange feeling for me. Like I'm used, so used to coming in, thinking about the team pursuit. And then, yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah, yeah I, no- I noticed that I was looking through the results because I was really looking forward to watching and, um, for some reason, I kept thinking there was like, like I was looking through the, the results for each day and I was like, God, where are these guys? They're not even racing the bunch races. And then I saw you guys. <laughs> yeah, it was unusual, but obviously, um, yeah, just a different start to the cycle, I suppose. But um, doing Madison would have been really cool to link up with um, Sammy again and, uh, and, and race together. But um, yeah, I guess like with going back, how does it like feel initially when you haven't touched a track bike for so long and you've been on the road? Like there is kind of like a, a feel to the track, isn't it? To how you respond to it, um, how it feels on your legs as well. Yeah, definitely. Like the, if say you had a week, if you had a spare week uh, in between racing on the road, you could, you sort of get quite a lot done. You know, you can go out to two, three hours here to, you know, four hours there and mm. get some efforts in and, stuff that you've been doing day in, day out for the last six months, say. Um, you're so used to the bike and so used to the saddle and everything feels mm. comfortable on the road bike. But when you haven't been on the track bike for such a long time and then all of a sudden you're on a fixed, you know, you're on a fixed gear, you got, it's a, it's a quite an aggressive position and, um, yeah, it, it feels quite different and getting used to riding, uh, at those high cadences again is quite uncomfortable. You know, mm. after you've been on the road for so long, the leg speed goes away a little bit. Um, and yeah, like you say, like, especially in the Madison, there's quite a flow to the Madison. You got to yeah. constantly thinking about where everything is and where other teams are. And um, you got to be quite switched on for the Madison. So like that sort of waking up real quick at mm. the start of a Madison is, is crucial. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's um, that's something that you sort of forget, not forget, but it takes a little bit of time to get used to it again. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. jumping back into a race like the Madison, let alone some of the other events as well, it's um, yeah, pretty hectic. But uh, yeah. anyway, <laughs> will you will you do some more of the World Cup rounds? Is that the plan? Or no, not for me this year. I'm. Okay. I mean the. Yeah, the, the goal was to be there for the World Championships in October. Yeah. Um, and to do that, to qualify, you sort you have to do a, a Nations Cup, awesome. basically. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, um, I want to talk about the road. Um, I really want to know, just like in general, how is the, like, has the start of your first World Tour season, has it been like, was it what you were expecting so far? 
Mm, I mean, yeah, it's, it's pretty similar to what I had in mind um, of how it would feel. Um, the level, the, the level of the world tour racing is, is probably higher than I already expected. And I had wow. the bar set quite high. It's, um, yeah, it's pretty impressive what the world tour, like the good best guys in the world tour are absolutely unbelievable. And, you know, the, the worst guys in the world tour are unbelievable. Like yeah. the, the level is just so, so high. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's been interesting. Like I got the whole, got sick in January and had to restart <laughs> my year kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, started pretty slow with UAE tour and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's been a good start. I'm, I'm really happy with where I'm at and where the team's at and, you know, sort of one third of the way into the year and or a quarter of the way into the year or whatever. So, um, mm. yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to rebuilding into the next part for sure. Yeah, okay. And, like, it's kind of interesting as a, uh, in your first year because you start in those early season races like the UAEs, the uh, Saudi Tours, that sort of stuff, which generally they are an easier start, um, even though everyone seems to say that it keeps getting a higher level, higher level. But I wondered, <laughs> like, <laughs> as you started in those races, did you see, like, the level of the races in general increase as you got further into the season? like comparing like a, you know, like the Tour of Dubai, Oman, that sort of stuff to say, I don't know, like some of the classics in Belgium. Did you see, like, is it a rise in, in sort of ability, difficulty? Um, I mean, they're such different races. Like UAE Tour is pretty notorious for being quite a steady race and such big roads, yeah. not really many hills. It's, it is an easier way to start the year. I mean, it wasn't a, it wasn't a piss take, like you, it wasn't super easy, but most days it would be reasonably easy. And the last half an hour, last hour Four really hours. is, is quite hard. Mm. Um, and I would say like, because of that, it makes the last bit really, really hard because everybody's so fresh, fresh. going into the final. Mm. Um, <laughs> I mean, at the classics, like every, there's a, a good portion of people there that are, have had their mind on the classics since last year. And, yeah. you know, there a lot of people coming in red hot for those, that period. Um, and yeah, like you can just see like the, everybody's building through the year, I guess. And most yeah. people sort of come into the UAE and are building and building and building. And you get to this, you know, you get to spring and everyone is in pretty good Nick. Um, yeah. This year, I, I feel like maybe it was a little bit different and, there's a lot of people getting sick and a lot of people injured. And there's probably quite a lot of people who are racing the classics who weren't meant to race the classics in the first place. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if that's different to years gone by, but yeah, there's no doubt those like the spring classics, especially racing in Belgium, like that's another level of racing and um, learning how to like do a day like that. And then, recover the next day and then get ready to go again it's quite hard to find a rhythm you know mm -hmm. like it's not like a tour where you're just going every day um so the the top the top end of the you know the field in the classics get a really good rhythm going you know you see people they have great results yep. throughout the whole classics and they're, they're really good at yeah the, the odd rhythm of that that period 
Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that's a good point. I haven't heard that said before. I guess it would make what you do on those days off between the races really important, eh? Like, are you riding hard? Because, like, say, for example, like that week where it's um, – oh, I can't remember what it is, but there's one race on the weekend, then you've got doors to a flounder, and then you've got um, flounders maybe in the corner. Like, when you've got those races two or three days in between, what are you doing in between those races? Are you riding hard? Yeah, it's, it's pretty it's it's pretty awkward. Um, I mean, like, we raced we – raced, uh, De Partner uh, on, the, on a Wednesday – and then we raced E3 on the Friday. Again, we've got on the Sunday, doors door on the Wednesday. So it's, it is awkward. Like you have these days. And I think a lot of people, you got to do what's right for you. And you know, uh, the older guys definitely know a lot better than me yeah. uh, what suits them. Um, yeah. And I'm sort of just figuring it out, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, some, some people like to do, three hours really easy and other people just like to do one hour or some people might do a couple of a couple of little tempo efforts mm. something just to sort of flush the body out everybody's kind of got their own thing um and it also depends on you know just how deep you went the day before mm. um there's quite a lot of days there that were like yeah easily the hardest day i've ever had in my life and then you sort of like okay well i need to do something but i don't want to do too much because i race tomorrow yeah um so i think it's just finding what works for you and like for me i felt quite comfortable just an hour easy most of those days off um and yeah, what, i mean I what did you do between get wevelgem and um dwarsdorf landron that was two days Three. Yeah, Wivelgum was on the Sunday, and that was a that was a massive day for me. Like I I finished outside of time limit, but I finished the entirety of the ride. So my oh, like I took, I had a big I had a big uh that was a massive day in the system. Mm-hmm. So I think I think I just did one hour every day between Monday and Wednesday. Wow. Yeah, I think I just did one hour and one hour. Hmm, that's interesting. From what, do you pay attention to anything in particular on those days, like recovery-wise, not riding? Like, are you really – are you strict with, like, what you're eating or are you strict with your sleep, like that sort of stuff, or are you just kind of, you know, just trying to get it all done? Yeah, I mean, uh, the sleep thing is pretty big. I think, like, I – make a pretty good effort to make sure I've slept enough. Mm. Um, and also like having like in terms of the recovery, having like knowing how much I ate the day before, whether I was in a deficit or not, mm. which usually from a day like that, there's wow. no way to not be in a deficit. Mm. Um, then I'll make sure that I've like completely, yeah, like I'll catch that up as quick as possible on the first day. Yeah. So then, um, you can start to load yeah, up. Like, so then I'm exactly. Yeah. I mean, um, I don't really stress about overeating. I just make sure I've eaten yeah. almost as much as I can in those scenarios. Um, but yeah, I, th- I th- the sleep is massive for sure. Like, 
yeah, sometimes after a massive shock to the body like that, like you can't really sleep that well. Maybe you've had a bit too much caffeine and stuff like that. Um, But yeah, luckily I didn't have too many issues this, this season. So like Mm. making sure I've got enough sleep. Yeah. Yeah. That's massive. Do you, um, I know a lot of other teams um, have the writers like report how much hours they're getting each um, day and that sort of stuff. Do you guys have metrics that you have to sort of chime in with your coaches and staff each day or is it just self-selected? No, I think it's a bit more self-selected. Like our team doesn't, well, I haven't been contacted about it. I'm sure some other guys do. I mean, I use an aura ring and I have like, I personally use that and have my coach, my coach looks at it and Mm. We monitor it a bit there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, I suppose it's a, bit, a bit up to the athletes and um, mm-hmm. how much they want to track. And um, for me, I love data and logging yeah. stuff. So, yeah, it's good. I like it for sure. Okay. That's cool. Do, can you, do you wear it in the race, the ring, or just like when you go to sleep? No, I just wear it when I go to sleep. I, I was wearing it when I was racing for for a while um to see like how good the heart rate oh yeah yeah sensor was um but yeah then it's just uncomfortable underneath the glove and um yeah i don't don't normally wear it when i'm racing yeah yeah if you bend it on the ring it'd probably rip your finger off yeah probably would actually (laughs) yeah it's interesting yeah it's um yeah the rings there's so many of those different like tracking stuff now it's um it is cool though because you kind of get into it eh? like you got the apps and it's like all the user interfaces and stuff makes it really cool to sort of look at and go oh yeah you know and and, and challenge your mates um who slept more things here yeah Yeah, exactly Um, it's uh well yeah leading into it i really want to talk about um, Dua's door because Kel, you know, between you and Sam Wellsford, you two guys in particular, everyone else that's gone on the world tour so far from the Aussies, um, I don't know, it just seemed maybe a bit more clear as to like, you know, the kind of rider they would develop into, sort of, or like what kind of riders mm. races they would suit. But I have to be honest, I didn't know between both of you which, like, I don't know, like what kind of what you would be sort of more suited to. I knew you'd be elite in the lead out. Um, obviously, track background and, and teams of suit stuff. Like, you just, you know, and even, and obviously you've had some pretty good, like, wins yourself just on the domestic side, um, which still shows, you know, good, a good sprint. But your result in Dorsdorf under, mate, you must have been stoked for that race because that's, mate, that's no pisser of a race. It's a proper Belgian race. And let me just read it. In case not everyone watches every fucking race on the calendar, I do, because um, I just, you know, got nothing else to do, you know. <laughs> Let me just read out the top seven, okay? Uh, it was two minutes to the – well, there was eight, eight of his, but um, two minutes back to the rest of the field. Um, ben Turner, big clock. He was at 12 seconds back. I don't know what happened to him, but he got shelled in the last, you know, final bit. Yourself in seventh. Stefan Kung, King Kung, obviously chopping up all classics. Niels Pollock, the big teeth. Um, Campanarts. Uh, he's got massive teeth. He doesn't have massive teeth. It just looks like he does on TV. Um, TV. Tom Pickcock, T. Spadoop, Vanderpoel, of course. That's the top eight. Man, you're in that group. That's insane. Can, like, I only caught the last 50K or something, but that move started way earlier, right? 
guys. I hope you're enjoying the episode with Kel so far. I'm claiming him now as a friend of the podcast. Nobody else exclusive friend of TPR just now. And I'm sure Kel will agree when he's listening to this. Kel, mate, come on. Anyway, big thank you to everyone that left a review for the podcast, for the Press Room podcast uh, last week. And um, on Spotify, on Apple, really appreciate it. If you haven't done so already, you know, I just love it. And it'd help the potty grow. Uh, so thank you very much. Another thank you to Smith Optics, a sponsor of the Press Room Podcast. You know that I'm a big fan of eyewear, cycling eyewear in particular. And I have to say, the Bobcats are still my favorite. I've got a couple other frames with me at the moment that I'm planning to give away. So just make sure you're following the Instagram account because that is where I'm going to announce how you can win some Smith Optics eyewear for nothing, just for being a fan of the podcast. Anyway, all right, legends, let's get back to the podcast with Kel O'Brien, friend of the podcast. Yeah, yeah. So, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, like back to what you said before, I, I don't didn't really know what I would be suited to. I know which races I like to watch on TV and which races I think I could do well at. Mm. Um, and, yeah, having done a bit of work uh, in pre-season with my coach, um we sort of identified a few key areas that may you know maybe i'm pretty well suited to these sort of races um and yeah like uh in the in the races before doors door i i had good sensations like really good sensations in my legs and i felt really good i was just getting thrashed around really like just learning how to position well coming into key moments and and stuff like that um it's definitely an area for me to improve on um but yeah indoors door i ended up in the early break with nils pollitt um who was just unbelievably strong that day and um yeah like we just worked really well together as a group and it was just it was a good day to be in the break really um super hard but we ended up getting caught at a reasonably good moment um sort of like 60 or 65k to go or something like that yeah um from that group that sort of got away from the bunch with Vanderpool, Pigcock, Campanats, ETC um and yeah I mean like the at when you're out there all day you're just thinking all right when I get caught I'll just go full gas and then I'll get dropped and just try and hang on to the line kind of thing. Hmm. Um, you know, I wasn't really thinking oh, I'll be able to hang on here, especially because sort of the last climb that we did was sort of, I think it was about 40 K to go Leduce, mm-hmm. um, which is normally used as a descent, but it's a pretty nasty little thing. Um, and obviously been up the road all day. I was just <laughs> like on my limit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, once I managed, I managed to get over that in reasonably good nick. And then from that point on, you know, you've made the final because it's, there's no more hills really. It's just yep, getting into the final circuit. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a, for sure, it was a shock for me. Like I didn't really didn't think I would be able to make it into a final like that. And um, yeah, it was a pretty special day for me to be fair. Yeah, um, man. Yeah, super stoked with it. It's amazing. Um, and you just you can't do those rides by accident. Yeah, you can get in a 
like an early break and a third week of a grand tour or something like that and you get lucky when or not lucky but you get the opportunity if the race sits down and goes yeah break's gonna win today but this is in belgium as well like yeah well yeah you've got to have the power you know to to make that group but we did you get on that day were you met by any um like oh man oh, i would have been itching to see the power file after the race like did you get any like pbs for the day in anything or yeah yeah i did actually i i had um like the like number just the numbers were all yeah we're all insane like it was 394 normalized for four hours and five minutes or something <laughs> like that um it's on that's, it's all on strava that's um, fucked yeah yeah like so, some of the like all day i didn't have any data on my screen i just ran the map so nice. i couldn't see yeah, I just like couldn't see anything all day. Every now and then I would have a look, but for the majority of the day, I was just leaving the map on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, yeah, the numbers that day were for sure PVs in most mm. um, most areas. Certainly for the year, not mm. not all, all time, but um, yeah, I mean, in the context of the race, some of them like the last the hardest 90 minutes of the race was the last 90 minutes of the race. And the the hardest hour was the last hour. The hardest 20 minutes was the last 20 minutes. And the hardest 10 minutes was actually the last 10 minutes um, of the race, which is actually, yeah, which makes sense, I guess, when you're thinking about it, but after four hours or three. Hmm, I would have thought like maybe making the break would be the first hardest 10, 20 minutes, but wow. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a difficult day on the bike, that's for sure. That's, it's really cool because, you know, um, especially as like even doesn't matter how strong, you know, obviously got the, the engine and stuff, but uh, I don't know if how many people understand just how hard it is to adapt. I mean, I don't know, but it's just from watching everything all the time and reading, consuming everything. Adapting to the Belgian racing is so much harder than all the other races. And you came from the... UAE, the Oman, where you're on highways, where if you've got the power, you've always got room to move up because you're on an eight-lane bloody highway, you know, and the key moment of the race, even if it's on a, a climb, it's there's fucking seven lanes. But with with the Belgian races, you know, the key moment is on a climb, but there's only three riders, riders wide and everyone fucking wants to be in there. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's just such a good result. Um, and... Yeah, it's it's really cool. It must be a wicked bout of confidence. And are you someone who's like, right? I mean, you've got that result, showed that, yeah, you've got what it takes to sort of make it in those sort of races. You must be pumped for like the second half of the season now that you've got like, you know, you can hang your hat on that as a first year. Um, but is it like pressure off now can focus on the next goals? Um, yeah, I mean, the, the team's been really good with me. Like I haven't, felt any pressure from the team and um you know to do anything like obviously there's there is pressure to deliver yeah. the best result you can and and to do your job as best as possible but, but like internally um, not externally yeah for sure like for me for me like i always put an absurd amount of pressure on myself hmm. um and every race you know i was just like super bummed and i was just like oh, i've just got to like 
you know, and I, I remember I said to my roommate in, uh, in Belgium, I said, oh, like, I, I, I want a top 10 here. Like, I, I, I think I can do it and I, I want to do it. And, um, yeah, to, to sort of get that feeling, it was a bit of a relief, like, oh, like, I wasn't just dreaming. Like, I think I can be good at this um, and I think I can do it. It was, yeah, for sure. It was a good feeling. And now having reset a bit, um, and getting ready to build into the back half of the year, um, you know, it's, it just resets again. You know, the next mm. thing is, all right, well, uh, I want to do top 10 at this race, or I want to be going as well as I can and try and get selected for the Vuelta or whatever, you know, um, yeah, so I'm always get, like going to be looking at the next thing and putting my putting pressure back on um, myself. Hmm. But so I wouldn't say that it's gone now. But yeah, for sure, at at that point in time, there was a big relief. Like, oh, like okay, I think Sick. I can do this. <laughs> Sick, yeah. mate. That's so cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, super exciting. I love it. It's so cool. Um, oh yeah, speaking of Turkey, that's funny. Plappy wanted me to ask. Um, <laughs> he wanted to hear about the last, <laughs> the the last stage, the the ice rink. He said it must be um, and watching it looked fucking chaotic. But <laughs> what was the race in Turkey like? It looked at times sketchy as. Well, I mean, I would say for the most part, it was a mm. great tour, really good <laughs> tour. I loved it. Sun was out, um, Nixon jersey every day. Yeah, it's just good. like. You know, good racing wasn't too easy. wasn't UAE easy, but it wasn't like Paris hard. It was just like it was good. Um, it was a good level uh, for me. Well, for me at least, it was good. Um, some of the days were quite difficult, um, but yeah, for sure. Some of the finals. I think there was a stage two or three where we had like a we came into a, a finish along the waterfront and we had a U-turn around the roundabout at 2k to go and um notoriously slippery roads in turkey like they have a shine to them like you can see oh god they're shiny yeah and um anyway we came into this roundabout first few wheels like first team thinking great like all, all we gotta do now is ride around this as slow as we want to and launch it yeah. and we still nearly crashed like two of us slipped our front wheels going around I reckon 15k an hour we must have been going around this corner like so slow and um yeah that was pretty sketchy like my front wheel slipped there but yeah coming into the last day it was it was scheduled to rain everybody knew it was probably going to rain and it was a city circuit around Istanbul and so we're all like oh god here we go (laughs) the race the race kicked off and it was probably the first 40 minutes that a break hadn't gone yet, which kind of made it worse. Um, mm. And then all of a sudden it started raining, like, but just drizzling too, like not hard rain, just oh, drizzling shit. enough to make the, the road wet. Yeah. And we all came into this roundabout at like 60K an hour downhill, had to go the long way around the roundabout back up the hill. And um, yeah, I was probably like 10th wheel and I could see people sliding not even touching the brakes. So people were sliding already. And we went around this roundabout and all, all we could see was just the whole pillow. It was just like spread across the road. Full people everywhere. Yeah. Oh, just 
bikes everywhere. Uh, and um, yeah, they, we just all agreed to stop the race because then even then there were like two or three more crashes after that, <laughs> like in the next two minutes. Like, yeah. The whole peloton was on the ground. So yeah, it was a bit of an ice ring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's especially in the towns too, like, because that's, you know, there's so much thoroughfare of traffic. So the road's always going to be like greasy as. But I, I wondered, like, yeah. I'd love to go to Turkey one day and just like, you know, just the culture that interests me. But I wonder while you're there, you might not have time to, you know, because you've got transfers and stuff. But do you ever get a sniff to just go, oh, before we get on the bus, can I just go to that cart and try that local date or something, you know, like can you just try like, some of the local food mm. while you're there? Is it no time? No, not really. I mean, in my experience, no. Like on the last day after the the stage got cancelled, we had enough time to go into Istanbul and like have a look around. Cool. Um, so most of the team went in there and got to have a look around there. But I mean, yeah, like actually on the, the stage we finished in Gallipoli, we took the time to then drive down to Anzac Cove. Yeah, and, cool. You know, like it, nice. that. So that's probably the exception to the, the yeah. situation, I guess. Um, but no, not really. Like there's never really like that much mm. time to sort of like we had early starts in, in Turkey too. Like they were like, I think the last stage we got up at like six. We had breakfast at like quarter past six or six thirty, <laughs> eight AM stage start. So it's just like not that much time to sort of Yeah, that's Melbourne Bunchy style. Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, literally. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. Hell ride on yeah. the Saturday. Oh, yeah, that's gold. Was. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah. It's, people forget about that. People, well, you get to travel to the world and stuff, but like, you know, when you're racing, there's not a lot of time to see. Um, you have to go back. Um, exactly. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Um, also, um, Plapo tells me a big coffee fan. I want to know when you're at home and um, you've got time to make the brew you like, say it's when you're getting up, What? how are you preparing the coffee? What are you doing and what are you making? Um, well, these days um, I travel with a, a V60 everywhere, um, mm. uh, yeah, like a filter. And that's the pour over, um, right? Yeah, this is pour over. I've uh, I've got a few different V6s. I have one that's called a switch that, like, basically blocks the liquid from draining through. Um, and then, yeah, once you've done pouring, then you flip the switch and it all drains out. Um, but yeah, when I'm at home here in Andorra, I don't have a machine here, so I still do filter coffee every day here. Mm. Um, if if there's more than one or two of us here, I'll make a Chemex, which is quite a large version of a V60, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But at the moment, yeah, I travel with, I always travel with a, a V60 and an AeroPress as a backup in case the V60 breaks in my bag. Um, oh. Has that happened before? Yeah. So then it has, yeah, actually. My, oh, um, my V, yeah, I glued it back together, but it's just, yeah, not the same <laughs> oh. anymore. <laughs> Somebody get this man a V60. He's got yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a bit that's of a situation. <laughs> the AeroPress is elite, though, but that's always a good uh, thing. Okay, so you're a long, are you a long black man? 
Always, yeah. Always, pretty much always black coffee unless I'm like, yeah. Yeah. if I go out, especially for coffee, you know, yeah. a breakfast with a friend, I'll get a, a flat white. Or at mm-hmm. home in Australia, I have a proper machine and okay. I'll quite often I'll have a milk coffee from the machine. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, pretty much either long blacks or filter all day. Yeah. Nice. I'm with you, man. I'm with you all day there. That's, um, yeah, that's my kind of setup too. I like the AeroPress. Um, but uh, the best thing, it's like the the preparation. I like the hand grinder, mm. you know, and it's just, yeah, I don't know. For sure. and are you weighing the beans as well? Like, have you got the scale? Oh, and shit? absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay, always. Cool. I got That's great. scales. I got a Commandante C40 hand grinder. Oh, I my, shit. I bring my gooseneck kettle with me everywhere. Like, I'm always. Always kitted for it. <laughs> That's great, eh? You need the you need the bid on with the gooseneck. Imagine just sticking one of those yeah. in the cage, you know? Um, yeah. <laughs> the goose. yeah. That's so funny. Um, I had a yeah. few. I had a lot of people um, chime in with the questions. Um, oh, that's gold. Uh, on the Instagram, I saw there's a, a lot, but I'll just read out. Um, Puff and ties up is a lot. Uh, well, first of all, your dad asked when he's getting um, more official bike exchange kit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm working. Uh, on it. I'm working uh, on it. That's so funny. I had to be on Instagram. I was like, "Who's this guy?" I was like, when is dad getting some yeah. official? And then I was like, "Oh, it's his dad." I see. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I'm working on it. Yeah, come on, man. Sort your dad out. Even with the bloody musette. Um, Another one we had, this is from an actual, um, a non-relative. Fife Jared asks, um, oh, were or was Bike Exchange changing the race plans around avoiding relegation? So I guess we race, we doing any plans chasing to, I don't know, gain points or with points in mind? No, no. um, Obviously, it's a hot topic. within cycling at the moment and but no at the moment we've just been sticking with the original plan and barring the people getting sick and injured and maybe you have to get called up to another race yeah but uh it hasn't been a conversation at all um Hmm. certainly not to me yeah yeah okay um all right last one um i want to know with the rest of the season going if you can just if you get to pick the race you're in you get like which race if you could choose one would you want to go to with what's to come and you're the ds so you select yourself you're at the top of the bus and you've got the little you know you've got the pointer and the slideshow and your face is on it you go i'm racing number one. Oh, if i could pick Geez, that's tough. There's a few races. There's a fair few races I'd want to do. But if I had to choose one, I'd, pop, I'd probably say the Vuelta. Really? I'd probably say the Vuelta. Yeah, I would I would love to do that. I think it'd be a stretch, physical stretch for me to do. Mm. Um, like it would push me to my limit. Um but I would love to do it. And also, in, if I say the Vuelta, that's, there's 21 races within the Vuelta, whereas if I say a one-day race, there's only one day. <laughs> yeah, to get double flat and you're in the convoy for the whole yeah. day. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's sick. <laughs> oh, well, um, hey, mate, Vuelta would be sick. Hopefully things align and it can happen because um, hopefully things align and both you and Papi can go to Vuelta and Sammy. With the, and then something aligns and the early break in the one of the days is the Teens Pursuit team from 2021. It would, I, I have thought about it. It would be <laughs> funny one day if, like, a bunch of us were there all together. Um, yeah. Mate, it would happen. Yeah, like the world just... It, yeah, it's, it's bound to happen at some point, isn't it? Surely, definitely. I, I mean, what about those? It was. It happened a couple of years ago. Like one of the groups of, um, like the Belgian guys that train together all the time. They got on a race and they just like there's twelve of them, and they all just decided like, that's right. Yeah, you know, that. and they just said, yeah, we're just going to try and ching off the front, and it was just all the kings. So. Oh, yeah, no. that's right. I mean, I remember it was like the break had been brought back really early and there was still like 60K to go in the stage. Yeah. And then there was a another split and it was like 14 riders and 12 of them were all Belgium or something. Yeah, they were all kings. Like Set Van Mark, it was like yeah. De Gant, it was <laughs> yeah. just all the choppers, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's sick. Well, yeah, um, well I have an Aussie version. Yeah, mate, 100%. Bring it back. Bring it back. Um, I Actually, I think... Um, Hopefully, well, Plappy will be racing right now, but I think um, everyone who's watching, make sure you tune into that TT final. Um, I think it's the final day to a remedy because um, I think it's got Plappy's name top five all over it. So, yeah, um, I would say so mm, for sure. Um, okay, Cal, thank you so much, mate. That was um, awesome having you on the press room. So sick. No worries. Thank you so much for having me, mate. It's good to uh, have a bit of a chat. Yeah, absolutely. I thought uh, back end, if you know, might be having a rest, I was like, it's the perfect time to get him. I've been waiting all year, mate, but you know, I'm a courteous operator. I go, nah, wait till they've got the season out of the way, you know. Um, oh, you're a legend, mate. Fighting with press officers, <laughs> mate. <laughs> uh. Legends, that's another episode of the Press Room Podcast done and dusted. Huge shout out to Kel O'Brien, friend of the podcast, for coming on and chatting with us on his days off, you know, his recovery. It was good of him to find time. And also, big shout out to you guys for listening. I hope you enjoyed this one. Now, we know there's not many days left to the Giro d'Italia, one of my favorite races. I just love the parkour, and I love the type of racing that, uh, that occurs as a result of the tough stages they have to face. And I've got some cool guests lined up now. I've got one big guest who had probably his biggest result of his career so far. He's locked in. In fact, I would have already recorded it by now. And I've got one more guest that I'm just waiting on. I'm, oh, I'm, I've been indicated that I'm getting the interview, and this is a very high-profile writer, and so I'm not going to say I'm going to get him yet. I don't want to say his name, but I've been told I'm getting the interview. So let's just wait and see. It's a very tricky business, this podcasting. But anyway, I'm rambling. You legends, thanks for listening. I'll see you next week on the Press Room Pod. See ya. See ya.